This is David's Book Talk, bringing authors and book lovers together in a unique way since 2009. Visit us at davidsbooktalk.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash davidsbooktalk. But first, pull up a chair, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Here's your host, David English. Hello and welcome to David's Book Talk. And boy, we have a special guest today, Walter Koenig, who is going to talk about his book Beaming Up and Getting Off and he is from the original Star Trek TV series among many other things and he's here to talk about it. Hello! Hi David, Hi. nice to talk to you. You have, you have quite an impressive resume of, of TV shows. I had no idea how many shows you've been on. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so what's old, what's old anymore? You know, what, what was old before isn't so old today, is it? No, that's true. That's true. Well, you sound so vital. I mean, you sound like you're... I mean, I've talked to, I've talked to actors before who were in their 80s, and they don't sound like they're going to last much longer on the phone. And you could hear it. I'm thinking of one person in particular. I won't mention his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But, but you know, you sound like you still have a lot of life left in you. Well, yeah, I feel that way. I mean, I, I my, my, bless my dog. We, we have a journey every evening, and it, it includes uh, um, trotting um, uh, and walking, so that we. Uh, we do both, so I keep my heart pumping and my uh, brain clear, and uh, yeah, I, I feel, I'm feeling good uh, physically, and uh, I, there, you know, what and, and inevitable uh, is that um, you start losing proper nouns, <clears throat> and that'll that'll happen to me from time to time. Um, but as a, uh, other than that, I'm, I, I feel like I'm my mental acuity is still uh, fairly sharp. Now, your book, you know, which I, I really found find interesting. I love the stories in this book. I'm, I'm, I mean, some of them are funny, and some of them are startling to say the least. And it's a, there's a lot of, of, of stuff, a lot of rich stuff in here that's, that that I just found myself. I was uh, reading it uh, today at work on the break, and I couldn't stop reading it. I, f I wanted to sit and read it for the rest of the day before I talked to you, just because so, I was so interested in the stories you had to tell. Well, I appreciate your conscientiousness. Uh, I sometimes get the, the feeling when I speak to somebody uh, in an interview that they've read the uh, the flyleaf, and, and that's pretty much all they've gotten out of it. But no, I do appreciate that you've you've taken the time to do that. That's a very conscientious interviewer, and I uh, respect that. Well, I I'm a big I'm a huge Star Trek fan to begin with. So I mean, this is this is like. This is like, I have to pinch myself that I'm really talking to somebody from the Star Trek universe. I've never spoken to any celebrity, I mean, on the phone from Star Trek. I've met some of the stars at conventions and such. Not you. I've never met you at a convention, but there were some that I have met. And it, it's, just, it's a thrill to me. So this is a thrill. It's just a little thrill in my life today, and it, it, it means a lot to me. So. I'm not going to I'm not going to um, elaborate on that conversation because it's embarrassing. But I appreciate the kind words. Right. Exactly. So why did you write the book? What? Why write the book now? How did you did you get approached about writing it? Did, did I mean you're a writer to begin with? So you you 
you you know what you're doing already. A lot of these celebrities who write books don't don't necessarily don't necessarily have any history of writing before. But you you've written for a, a while. Yeah, I, I you know I've never taken an English course or a literature course uh, in college. I managed to graduate with a BA from UCLA without ever having. Um, done anything of that nature but we were all approached back in the um in the let's see um, in the 90s to do autobiographies i was engaged in another project at the time and uh, had to uh, had to uh, postpone it uh, but i did do the um, the first volume and it was published in 1998 i believe 1997 98 and found you know it's, it, it's the easiest. It's the easiest kind of writing to do, because the structure is built in. You write chronologically, and you don't have to worry about plot and character uh, because it's it's all it's all literal from from one's from one's memory. But I found it great fun. And then in uh, about a year ago, or less, I was approached to do to republish the book and to do an extension uh, covering the last 21 years and since i had such a good time the first time and since the uh, the response was so positive the first time i felt that um uh, being at liberty uh, as we actors euphemistically say right. uh, uh, that i could spend the time doing uh, some more uh, some more reflection on my on my history and i i thoroughly enjoyed doing it a second time as well i love these letters from gene roddenberry <laughs> and they're classics i mean you read them and you're like he, i mean and you just get the feeling he had a really good sense of humor gene roddenberry yeah yeah that, that, that was great uh, uh i i enjoyed gene we weren't we weren't close uh but he was congenial and uh uh and i always i always felt lucky that we had somebody so responsive uh, to to talk to, um, good man, um, you know. Second, he, he was a fighter pilot. He he worked in the police for the police department. He had a very varied and colorful background, and uh, as, as a consequence of all of his experiences, he developed um, a philosophy that really speaks to. Um, the world is in the pre its present state, and um, his hope that we would uh, we could somehow uh, reach beyond um, the contentions that we deal with and achieve a world, a future world where we could all work together and uh, where brotherhood was really something that that that, that meant that it was palpable and meant something important. I mean, it's interesting with Star Trek. I remember the very first Star Trek episode I watched, and I and I, I was confused because I didn't know I didn't quite understand the episode. So I thought I'm never going to watch this show again. And, and, and that was my immediate reaction. I can't understand what's going on. It, it was a little too in depth to me. I couldn't figure out all the scientific stuff with it. And then all of a sudden, I watched another. I said I'm going to watch another episode, and I was hooked after that. I have and I've been hooked ever since. I I don't know what it was about the first episode that turned me off, but I was wrong. And it's weird how that is, that you think you, you don't like something, and you give it a second shot. 
you know, and there it is. And I can't even tell you how many episodes of Star Trek I've seen over the years. I think I've watched every one but Enterprise. I haven't seen all of Enterprises. But some I find are, are more fascinating than others. I, I mean, of course, we all have a love for the original that, that nothing ever surpassed the original to, to me. I mean, that the, as far as the writing is concerned, I loved it. That's the one I love the most. Yeah, well, we had good people. We had very we had um, people, uh, the, the Bob Justman and, and Dorothy Fontana, and uh, all, all the other folks who were there on a on a daily basis. Um, they they had uh, they they had uh, they were like minded in 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 their feelings of responsibility to to uh, uh, to, to speak about uh, circumstances and topical issues that we were fermenting over and and trying to resolve and we're not being terribly successful and being prohibited from discussing in graphic terms so they made everything you know part of the future but we were getting the message out and the message was of course the first one was subliminal and you just looked at the cast or the crew members on the bridge and you saw that these were people of different races cultures and um sexes who were able to work in a in a harmonious manner to the fashion friendships and this sense of uh, brotherhood that uh, is so sorely missing and has been through the history of mankind if we were able to generate this kind of uh, this kind of camaraderie uh, through the 330,000 years that the man has walked the earth, perhaps he wouldn't have had so many wars and so much and, and so much um, ill will and, and, and pain that we have suffered and that we are presently engaged in. So um, uh, they, you know, their, their, their ideology, their philosophy was was admirable, and uh, if nothing else, I am I am grateful to be to have that in my um, in my uh, in my history that that I was part of that, even as as small a part as I was. Were you ever scared that once that Star Trek was canceled, that you wouldn't get phone calls, that you wouldn't get approached about other roles, that you were stuck in that role that you would play? Because a lot of times that happens to actors. You know, they they play a part that's so memorable that you know that's all that people remember. But you you were able to get to to a lot of other parts. But were, was there a time where you weren't sure you would? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and what is it? What was that like? It must have been horrible for you. It was terrible. It was really terrible because it was a situation where the phone absolutely did not ring. Uh, I was not trading uh, stories uh, uh, with with the other actors, so I didn't know what they were going through. But I I, I, I felt that um, that I felt this total helplessness. I mean, if if I had been in space and at the end of a a, 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 a cord, a life cord. To, to my spaceship, it was as if it had been severed, and I was now floating, you know, endlessly. It, it was um, very depressing. I had a little baby at home who, who uh, needed attending to, and I bless my wife that she was able to do that. But I, I was immobilized. I would wake up in the morning in despair because I, I, I had no idea, what, you know, what to do. I, I had been used to. 
uses some, you know, structure and some purpose and, um, you know, a, uh, a, a life that, that had meaning. And, and so, suddenly I was just uh, um, someone who, 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 who sat around and waited for the non-existent phone ring. So uh, I did. I went through that group for about three or four months, and then I, I uh, determined that, um, as one must, if one is to continue, uh, that you, you know I had to create my own my own uh, future. So um, the only way I knew how to do that, because I I, I couldn't simply uh, uh, find work as an actor, was to to, to engage in a. In, in events that I could control, and that turned out to be writing. And uh, as a consequence, I began writing a novel without having ever ever had an experience, any experience writing anything other than, you know, essays in high school and not even college. I didn't take any English courses or literary mm -hmm. courses. Um, so um, I wrote a novel, and I, I felt while I was writing, I, not every day I got up and I spent three or four hours Sometimes I wrote a page, sometimes I wrote four pages. It really, uh, it really was determined by um, inspiration. And while I was writing, I said, my God, I've got to do this. I've got to sell this because I'm, I'm devoting so much time. And what I found out ultimately was that it was the doing that was the, uh, the thing, the, the, the important thing, the thing that kept me mentally stable. Uh, so I had this objective and this target, and I was able to accomplish it. The fact that it didn't sell for 18 years became less and less uh, significant in my life and less important because it got me through the, 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 the actual process, got me through the, uh, the period of when I felt so isolated and abandoned. Uh, ultimately, as a PS, uh, I should say that it did it did get it did get published, and not only once it got published three times by three different publishers. Oh, wonderful! So, yeah, so that was nice. That was nice. I don't think it sold many copies, <laughs> but it, but it did uh, it did it was very important in um, being able to uh, to regain uh, a sense of stability. And I love the picture on the back of you getting your star on the Walk of Fame in September of 2012. You look so happy. You just look so happy. <laughs> and that's, I mean, and to see that is just wonderful. I mean, what actors go through, and, and we as the fans, we don't realize what actors go through. I mean, we see the product, we see what's on TV, and we think, oh, they must, they must live a really ritzy life, and they probably have millions of dollars, and, and they just go around doing whatever they want to do. But it's not like that for a lot of actors. I mean, there's there's actors that make tons of money, but there's also a lot of actors who don't make tons of money. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think I, I touch on that particularly in in the second second volume of the book, um, um, beaming up and getting off. The fact that there there you know, particularly the very last line that you said, uh, there are, there are so many really talented actors out there who uh, whose lives are. Uh, uh, not recognized and and they're not identified for the talent that they are and i'm i mean there are lots of them i've i've gone through a lot of theater and i see a lot of people working for nothing or next to nothing who are extraordinarily talented and have they gotten a break you know it's it's such a it's such a capricious business um and some people get lucky and some people don't and i'm talking about the talented ones right. uh uh, and I see so many talented actors who, who never get beyond the 40-seat uh, audiences. 
and uh, it, it's 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 really it's really very sad. Uh, and and then there are those of us who uh, get a shot for whatever reason. Um, I go into all of that, well, you know, uh, how it all occurred for me, uh, how I, I got to play Chekhov, and and what had transpired before that. I had actually been. Uh, it's it's anecdotal, and, but at, at the same time, it's very significant in terms of <clears throat> in terms of uh, how uh, how mercurial and how uh, how uh, unpredictable this business is. I had actually been cast as a, in a guest starring role on another television series long before Star Trek, and uh, it was all it was in the bag, and I was supposed to go to work in five days, and the director. Uh, having uh, nothing else to do, saw, began seeing other actors for the role after already uh, having uh, all but signed my contract that I would be uh, performing the, the part. And he found another actor that he liked better uh, who, who, would play the, who played the part, would play the part very, very differently as I found out from the casting director. So I was called back in to read it again and this time read it like the other actor had. Well, having known that, Having known that that's what, what his, the director's intention was, I had to demur. I said, I, 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 I can't do that. That, that is totally, um, that is totally uh, opposite to what and how the character is written. And I have no justification in, in interpreting it that way. I, I might have tried it. Bear in mind, David, I might have tried it had I, I, I thought it was just the director's choice, but he was asking me to, to do it as another actor had. Right. And I felt there was a certain uh, artistic integrity that was at stake, and I said no. And as a consequence, I did not get the part. I did not get the part. Uh, the other actor did. And uh, so there you are. I would never, I should not have ever been on Star Trek. What happened was the following Monday, the one of the regulars on the show, Dean Jagger, became ill. So they postponed that episode. They postponed for about six weeks. Mr. Jagger returned to health. A new director was chosen because the other one wasn't available. Uh, I was brought in again to read. I read one line and was cast in the role did the part successfully, and then three years later was brought in to play Chekhov uh, on Star Trek. The, uh, I, I may have failed to mention that the character that they wanted me to play on the original show was Russian. And uh, so because the, one, because the, the, the leading actor, Dean Jagger, was ill, the part was not filmed when it should have been filmed, and, and that actor who had gotten the role did not, was not available or was not brought in again the second time, and I got to play Chekhov. So there, there is one of those capricious circumstances that you, you, know, you really can't take credit for it. It's the luck of the draw, the way the, the, you know, the, the, the die fell, and, and, um, and there you are, and that's what happens in this business. That's amazing. But I would say that it was meant to be. You were meant to get that part. I, I really, I mean... That the fact that it, it, it that that those things happened, I think it was meant to be. I think you meant, were meant for that part, and nothing was going to stop it from happening. Well, good. I'm, I'm I'm glad that the fates were on my side. If that's if that's so. Yeah, exactly. Now you you um, 
We spoke about DeForest Kelly, how how nice of a man he was, and I, I'm I'm very happy to hear that because you know on the show he was kind of a grump. He would play the, the way the character he was playing was kind of grumpy. So it was nice to know that he was he was a nice guy. But was that true of most of the cast members? I mean, did you get along with Michelle? And and I know you had issues with Bill Shatner, doesn't? <laughs> but um, did you get along with most of them? Yeah. I didn't. I, I did um, to, to, to different degrees, depending on the personalities you're, you're working with. Right. Uh, uh, Jimmy was uh, was an emotional guy um, and uh, very vocal about his feelings. But we were friends. I would certainly consider Jimmy Doohan a friend. Um, you have to. You have to give him. Uh, some some uh, wide berth on occasion because he was, you know, he he was uh, as I say, explosive personality. Mm-hmm. But, but we spent a lot of time together at conventions and I thoroughly enjoyed that experience. Michelle was warm and sweet and welcome, welcoming and made me feel immediately made me feel at home. George, we had a uh, much more of a. a um, uh, intellectual, uh, socially, uh, uh, socio political relationship since we agreed on uh, many issues. Um, Leonard was, on, uh, was, was always Mr. Spock. Uh, always, I mean, uh, I, I never, I never, I didn't get to know Leonard at all during this, the three, the two seasons I was yeah. on the series, and for, and for the first three or four movies, but. I knew of what he what he did uh, away from this set, and, and that he was a, a man of a great social conscience and and a philanthropic in a very positive way. And I could admire what he did, even if I didn't know who he was. Um, and the forest was just a, a warm, kind, sensitive human being who was able to um, actually. Uh, move between both groups. Both groups being the, the Leonard, the, the far Leonard um, Bill group, and George, Michelle, Jimmy, and I, and Jimmy and me group. So um, he was, as you say, he was uh, a, a, somebody everybody loved, and it was true on the on the uh, in public as well uh, on the circuit that we all traveled. Uh, everybody uh, loved the forest. Hmm. That's wonderful to hear. I mean, it's nice to hear that you get along. I mean, because it's like a, it's got to be like a family when you're so you're working with these people all day. I mean, for you know five days, six sometimes six days a week. I don't know whether you filmed on weekends or not, but I, you know, it, it was it had to feel like a family to some extent. And of course, families fight, so it's you you have those issues. There's always going to be something, you know. You can't get along with everybody in the world. That's very. <laughs> Very true. If only we could, you know. Yeah, we should probably move on before I <laughs> I, I get more details. <laughs> oh really? Oh, well, that sounds interesting. <laughs> but I mean, and and that's not the that's not the point of the book. But but you have to you have to be honest at some point too. I mean, people want to know you know the behind the scenes stuff. They want to know stuff like that too. So. So it's kind of, and it's interesting. But let's face it, it's interesting to read. And I'm reading it, and I'm very interested. So I'll be honest. Oh, I, I don't mean to imply that uh, there's anything in the book that that I've sugarcoated, because that's not the case. I, right. the, my my issues with with Bill are uh, delineated and defined. Uh, the occasions 
that uh, where there was some conflict and turmoil, those are there. It's I, I, I think, if I may uh, um, toot my own horn, it's a very honest, candid uh, look at uh, our our lives together and my my relationships with. Um, with, with, with the folks in front of and behind the scenes, and the uh, you know the fun, the excitement, and the uh, and also the moments of despondency, which were infrequent but were 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 viable, were, were there from time to time. So uh, if you if you really if you want, I think it's a relatively uh, honest look at. Uh, how an actor uh, prepares and performs and and uh, participates and um, I hope people who have not read the first volume and even if you have uh, will be curious enough to want to go on and read what's happened since uh, I, I, I took pen to paper again in uh, 90, uh, 98 and began oh no no in, in 2000 and 2017, and began re- began writing again uh, on what transpired during the last 20 years. Exactly, exactly. Did, would you describe your life basically as a happy life? I know you had a, a little bit of a rough childhood, but I, uh, would you describe? Do you think you've had a happy life? Are you happy for the most part with your life? You know, it's 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 a good question, David. And, and the older I get, the more I find myself re-examining my history, uh, trying to determine um, uh, how I should feel at this juncture. And I think my, my the way I feel is kind of a surprise. I think I am I uh, I've had a better life than I probably anticipated. Um, because and I wasn't I wasn't uh, in any way severely damaged by by a, a, a contentious family or uh, you know um, physical uh, uh, drama that in any way um, twisted my mind twisted my behavior uh, it was pretty ordinary uh, and that meant that yeah there was some turbulence some theatrics, but it wasn't any worse than anybody else's. I may have responded in a more sensitive manner to it. I really didn't feel, if the truth were known, I really didn't think, I feel that I knew what the future would hold. I was not, I was not built to, uh, to begin plotting a future, to begin uh, trying to determine who I would be and how I would it all come out. I was sort of a day-to-day person, and... Um, and only decided uh, to become an actor uh, in my senior year of college when I took one acting class uh, uh, offered by Professor Arthur Friedman at UCLA, who told, said to me, you know, uh, after, after observing my work in the one class, that, you know, uh, why not give it a shot? You know, you don't have a responsibility to a family. You don't have to earn a living for anybody but yourself. Um, what have you to lose? And, and as a consequence, I went back to, to drama school in New York, and, uh, and then my fate was sealed, uh, spending two years at the Neighborhood Playhouse. 
but I really didn't know what was to happen. And the fact that I've, I've gotten these lucky breaks along the way, I don't say, I don't say that with, uh, with, with an undue humility. Uh, I mean, I think I was, I, you know, the things that I did, that I did well, um, were because I, I, I have some talent and I did them well. Uh, <clears throat> but as I say, there are so many actors out there who are, are equally gifted or perhaps even more so, uh, who haven't had that shot. So I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that it all worked out the way it did. And I'm grateful for it. Each, each, each uh, success along the way was a surprise to me. I never took it for granted. I was always saying, well, what do you know about that? Uh, gee, I got that. Uh, well, I'm on a series. Well, I'm doing all these feature films. Uh, no, I got a couple of books published. Uh, look at this. They, they put me on, this, uh, on the Walk of Fame. All of those things were a surprise. I, 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 I never anticipated them. I never had that overriding sense of confidence that they were my due. So uh, I, I am, uh, you know, to answer your question as... Um, as uh, as over uh, articulated as I could possibly be, uh, yeah, I, I I am I feel fairly fairly good about the, where I am in my life at this juncture. I have a great family. I've had some great tragedy in my in my family, right. but. Uh, yeah, I was, I was. I'm very sorry. To, that was a, a rough time for you, and I I, I love the. Very, the picture you have of him in the back, on, on the back. Yeah. My son, yeah, my son passed away. Uh, but he was a great young man, and uh, the years we spent together, I am forever grateful for. And that never that never goes away. The pain of that never goes away. But you you, you need to move on, and and so one does. And uh, that notwithstanding. Uh, I say that uh, I've had a very positive experience. I'm not done. I don't feel I'm done. You know, my health is pretty much still intact. Um, so I, I move on. And as, as long as, as much time as I have left, I hope to, you know, uh, use it constructively and fruitfully and, 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 and uh, continue to be surprised by uh, whatever... Uh, minor triumphs I might achieve. Exactly. I loved uh, watching your son on Growing Pains, too. He was uh, Mike's best friend, right? One of Mike's friends on Growing Pains, wasn't he? Absolutely. That's who he played, yeah. That was wonderful. He was a wonderful character. He's just one of those characters that, that was, you watch the show and you, you look forward to seeing him again because he was such so funny to listen to, you know? He was, he was, he was, a, gifted, he was a gifted person. A great loss to us all. Right, and I and I and it's that's it, but you always have those. You can go back and watch them, and, and there he is, and that's got to be a thrill for you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Well, it's, the memory is great. I I have it's painful for me to look at and to watch it, but but uh, I think of all the good things we did and and the things that he accomplished, and uh, the fact that he was with in this world for forty two years. Were you uh, were you close to him at the end, near the end? Yeah. We oh, were, good. We were, we were closer than we had been. He had, he had moved to Canada for a few years, but came back, and uh, we were fairly close at the end. What somebody for somebody who hasn't read the, this book, the new book, what are some of the stories that they can look forward to reading? I want you to. I want you to. What, what are some of your favorites in the book? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I. Uh, 
I don't know. I I, I think I, I deal with the material with some humor. Uh, there there you know there were crazy things. There were auditions that were bizarre and and uh, totally humiliating. But there was also successes that I I, I enjoy, that I uh, relish and that I I take uh, I I I, uh, I embrace. Um, I have these a couple of stories about Shatner and myself that I think are are somewhat humorous, uh, if, <laughs> if not if not entirely um, uh, uh, non antagonistic, but they were still humorous nonetheless. Uh, the people that I've met, I enjoy talking about them. I met I met a lot of people during the last. 30 years, who participated in the other television series, the other Star Trek series, and I got to know them and was and felt really uh, fortunate that they became a part of my life. Um, the good people, um, people that, uh, that that all the Star Trek fans out there. Have you, have you ever been on any of these Star Trek cruises that they have? No. Oh, and the cruises? Yeah, I, did, I did the cruises back in the 80s, and I'm scheduled to do one next year. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something that's scheduled for, for, I think, early March of next year. Oh, that um, should be fun. Yeah, that should be fun. Um, there will be a lot of people from uh, the original, I mean, from all the other series there that I've got grown to know and who I I, I, I truly enjoy uh, and that's one of the that's one of the books parts of the book I like the, in the back where you go through the different actors who've been in Star Trek and, te and tell you what your feelings are about each one of them I, I think that's fascinating I mean who who doesn't want to read something like I mean that, that's not something you see in a, in a book very often so I thought it was really interesting well, good. I'm glad, and I'm glad I, I gave them uh, a moment because they they truly are nice, nice folks. Uh, if you, you know, if you're a friend of Voyager or Deep Space Nine or Next Generation, oh yes, oh yes, and you root for those folks. I, I speak about some of them, the ones that I got to know, and and they're all positive, positive in the description. So. Um, I, I'm I'm laughing about the story that you tell about Dean Stockwell. That's a, that's a classic. <laughs> I don't want to spoil for anybody who hasn't read it because it's so it's too it's it has to be experienced. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I read it today and I was laughing just reading it. And I you know I had no idea. I mean, I used to watch Quantum Leap all the time, and I you know you don't know what actors are like when the cameras are off because we're yeah. we're all just we're all human beings. We all have you know history. Something has happened to us that maybe has made us hardened or whatever, but we're not all, all nice all the time. Right, and on the, on the other hand, subsequent to writing this book, uh, I met uh, Mark, um, what's his last name, Rusio, Mark, um, he's become a, extremely... Uh, Mark Ruffalo? Yes, Mark Ruffalo, an extremely successful actor. Oh, yeah. And, and what a charming, warm, interesting man he is. We've only spent a few minutes together, but I feel blessed for having that experience. Uh, and I've met people like that along the way, uh, actors who the, who the reader will recognize. And, and again, the, the only ones I discuss are the ones that I've had positive uh, experiences with. But uh, that's, been, uh, that's been a very uh, gratifying experience as well. Mark, Mark Ruffalo is, is not only an extraordinarily talented man, but a man of principle. 
and uh, warm, and warm and generous, and uh, somebody that if you haven't e- experienced his work, uh, you should look for it because, uh, as I say, a very talented fellow. How would you describe yourself? If somebody asked you in, in say, ten words or less to describe you, what would you say? Well, I don't know if I, I'm, I, 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 I could limit it to ten words, and perhaps that says more about me than anything. <laughs> well, you're very, you're very warm and friendly. I mean, you're easy to talk to. Yes, I am that, uh, but I'm also, I, you know, I carry insecurity that, that, that I've had since I was a child. Um, uh, anxieties, concerns, uh, periods of depression, disillusionment, um, but also, you know, uh, moments of exaltation, moments of euphoria. Uh, I think uh, a microcosm of, of, of society in general, you know, uh, I have, I, I, I suffer the, I suffer from anxiety and, 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 and self-deprecation, uh, uh, problems of self-esteem. And on the other hand, there are moments when I think I'm absolutely brilliant and an extraordinary gifted human being. So all of that is wrapped up in this, in this one person. And, um, I think we all, we all go through that. Whether I am actually bipolar, uh, that's a clinical judgment that I refuse to make. <laughs> right, exactly. I hear you. That's, but it, it, it's it's really a thrill to talk to you, and I and I really and I, you know you never know what an actor is going to be like when you call them on the phone and you're getting them. You know they don't even know who you you don't know who I am. I don't know who you are uh, to talk to. But it's such a thrill to know that I can talk to you and and feel comfortable with you, and that it's a great feeling. Great. Because we only live. We only live once. Let's let's all try to get along. Is what I say. <laughs> but there, there's always some people you're not going to get along with. When you did, um, I'm curious. When you did the Alfred Hitchcock hour, did you meet Alfred Hitchcock at all? No, no. He was uh, actually it was Joan somebody, and that was it. Joan Harrison. Joan Harrison. Yeah. And and that wonderful, wonderful man who's still alive at 105. Um. He was the other producer on the Hitchcock Hour. Oh, Norm, was it Norman Lloyd? Norman Lloyd, yeah, Norman Lloyd. I, was uh, he on St. Elsewhere? Was that the Norman Yeah, yeah okay, I do have the right person. And if you haven't seen the documentary about him uh, that's been playing on, uh, on uh, Turner Classic uh, movies, uh, you really should. He's, this was, the, the documentary was, was made when he, at the age of 100. He's 105 now. And it's, he is so lucid and so articulate uh, and, 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 so, uh, and so fascinating to listen to. Really? Yeah. And that was at the age of 100. And I also must add, uh, as a throwaway, that he thought I was talented. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, good. I'm glad. Because, I mean, you, you, to have lasted as long as you have, you have to have some talent. You definitely, I mean, you, I mean if, you're no, if you weren't talented, you wouldn't have done all the things you've done. I mean, they don't hire people who are, are bad at what they do. I mean, unless you just happen to be lucky. And get, <laughs> but, I mean, you, you obviously know what you're doing. I mean, with writing and acting and, and doing so many different things. 
Well, I, thank you. I, I, as I say, if, if I start to, to disagree, it's going to sound like false. Uh, you, no, you, know, I, you just you just who you you're you are who you are. I don't. It doesn't bother me. I I know you oh. know. I know that you've you've had a, a long and distinguished career, and you're a legend. I mean, you're just from being on Star Trek. I consider you a legend. I mean, in, in television, and I mean, who nobody knew how what Star Trek was going to be like when you were filming it at, at first. You didn't know what you what was. This is going to last 50 years. It's still on MeTV today. It's, it's see that I can talk to with enthusiasm and 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 and, and not uh, question what I what I'm uh, saying. Uh, that is the most amazing thing about Star Trek, and makes it a phenomenon unlike any other. I truly believe that the medium has never seen uh, something like this that progenerates. Uh, 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 additional series, uh, each one being successful in its right in its own right. Uh, we're now, uh, I think, on the, on the seventh Star Trek uh, television series. Uh, we did seven movies. Next Generation did four. The new folks, I think, have done three or four, uh, and there's more to come. Uh, and, and you know, it's spanned, it spanned uh, uh, seventy years. Uh, it's, it's insane when you think about it. I mean, the, it, you know, that it would be this popular this many years from when it first came out. I mean, it's just you, you know what it's like, you know what it's like, David. It's I tell you what it's like. It's it's it, it, and and then I'm talking sociologically here. Uh, you root. I was a kid in the 1940s. I rooted for the New York Yankees. I can tell you, in fact, I went on a show, a quiz show, and, and successfully answered questions about the start, the New York Yankee uh, baseball team. From the oh, city. really? Interesting. Yeah. Now, what do they have in common with Star Trek? Uniforms, players that come and go. You know, I rooted for the Yankees in the 50s. I'm still rooting for them in 2020, even though they may not have a season. Yeah. Star Trek, Star Trek started in the 60s. It went through the 70s, the 80s. You have you have the fans coming to conventions in uniforms, identifying with with the, with the cast of the shows, taking some actually garnering some self-esteem from their particip from, from their uh, identification with these teams, uh, rejoicing in their successes, feeling a part of their success. All of that is the same. All of that is what Star Trek fans, uh, all the iterations have in common with people who root for baseball teams or sports teams. Uh, all of that is the same. Right. And, and as a consequence, it, in, in that regard, uh, there, there are similarities. In terms of other television shows, I don't think there's anything like uh, the, the genesis of Star Trek and how it has endured. Um, there's no, no, no other television property or, tele, or feature film property that compares to that. But there is a sociological uh, significance um, in, 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 our, in, in our durability that you can relate to an athletic team. Do you ever, do you ever, and during the course of your normal everyday, do you ever call any of the, like Nichelle, or do you call George, or do you ever just get, call them on the phone and say hello? No. No? <laughs> Did they ever call you? Uh, not anymore, no. 
No, I think I made a comment, and it was picked up uh, on uh, on one of the uh, on either Twitter, Twitter, or Facebook, oh. or something about how how uh, pleased I am to see how well the other cast casts get along, how, how the friendships that have endured. Alas, with the with the passage of time, we don't have, and and the fact that we have lost. We've lost half of our crew. Right. Uh, we don't have that sense of uh, uh, friendship uh, anymore. Uh, not the original cast. See, I really didn't want to go into all of that. But and, and it's not it's not great animosity. It's not it's not something you know that I even I don't discuss our differences with other people. Right. But um, but I uh, and so I'd like to emphasize and and focus on the folks that I have met from from the other series. Who uh, I do find to be uh, truly um, good people, entertaining people, people that uh, that uh, I would I would like to get to know better if if time it, it, it availed itself. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was the, I guess that was the wrong question to ask me. Yeah. Well, I didn't know I didn't know the answer. I should I probably should, well half the fun is listening to the answer. I, I mean you're not always going to know the answer to the question you ask a lot of times. But I'm I'm curious about your friendship with Christopher Lloyd. Why why that didn't last? Uh, you you mentioned that in the book that that you had a lot of laughs with him. But then all this the, then you don't really keep up with him anymore. What what happened there? Was there a well, that that one has that one has a good good ending. That one it's, it didn't end with malcontent. Um, Chris and I were huge friends. I thought, uh, and I think it was true at the neighborhood playhouse. We were both in, in, in drama school together, and we were best buddies. And I made him laugh, and he made me laugh, which was was really was really neat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, which, you know, time goes by, things change. Um, I, I, uh, we saw each other a few times out here. Then he got taxi. You got taxi, right? Was that what it was called? Taxi. taxi yes. And I and I was doing I was doing the the movie, uh, the Star Trek the motion picture. So I knocked on his dressing room door, and um, he answered it as Reverend Jim. He answered it. Um, oh, funny. Funny for you, not funny, not funny for, for you though. <laughs> I mean, he, he didn't. He didn't lose the character. And I say, Chris, it's Walter. Uh, 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 yeah, yes. And he went on to this whole thing. Pissed me off. <laughs> Truly pissed me off. Um, so uh, I didn't pursue that relationship. Um, but then, w subsequently, we ran into each other again at uh, at conventions. And we had a chance to, and that was years later, and we had a chance to, to reacquaint each other, to refamiliarize each other. And now I do consider him a good friend. We oh, don't, good. We don't talk on the phone, uh, but, but then I don't really talk on the phone to anybody. Um, but he's a good guy. He's, he's always a good guy. Um, um, he, he, he took the, the, the talent that he had, and he, and he, and he was able to, uh, to, to use it uh, in so many different roles and so many different kind of extreme characters, uh, and so that even today he is still very current in, in this in, in this industry. Yeah, he's so still with us. He's in his eighties, also, isn't he? Uh, well, 
he's probably. I was one of the oldest people at, at, at Neighbor Blades. The only person older than me was Dabney Coleman. Ah. And Dabney is like 86, um, I think. Chris is probably 79 to 80. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Chris is, uh, it's, 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 if you see him in something, you, you, you can go to it and enjoy it without any sense of, well, this is not a nice guy or this, right. that, that's getting in the way. So, you know, just as I'm sitting here and you're mentioning these things, let me just think, say that um, Next Generation, Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, John Delancey, were all people I got to know and people I really, truly like. Uh, Deep Space Nine, Rene Abergenois, who has passed away uh, and, and did so after after I wrote this, uh, Nicole de, Bo de Boer, Terry, Terry Farrell, J.G. Hertzler, right. uh, Robert O'Reilly, Armin Shimmerman, Alexander Siddick, were folks from Deep Space Nine who I've, I've continued to, whose work not, do, not, 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 do I not only appreciate, but I appreciate them as human beings. Robert Duncan McNeil from Voyager and Ethan Films, who I absolutely love. Roberta, Robert Picardo, who I have great uh, respect for. Tim Russ, with whom I've worked subsequent to Star Trek. Jerry Ryan, Garrett Wang. These are all people who I have very positive feelings for. Uh, Dominic Keating, Linda Park, Connor Trent Trenier, right. Enterprise, um, um, Mary Chifo and Kenneth Mitchell, Doug Jones, Sunny Kwa, Martin Green, uh, folks from Discovery, Babel, and of course, the My Battle Long Five Patriots, compatriots, uh, Bruce Boxline, Amira Furlan, who I absolutely love, Peter Jurassic, Bill Mooney, Tracy Scoggins. They're all people who I have, I have good, I have positive things to say. So I'm not, I'm not a total curmudgeon. If I have some people who uh, I've, I've, I've left off that list, it's not necessarily because I don't like them, it's because I just didn't get to know them. Right. But let's let's face it, the stories, the interactions you have with other actors in this book and the stories you tell are fun to read, are interesting to read. I mean, I have to admit, that's the, that's the truth. I loved reading them. And, and I... It's an enjoyable experience. <laughs> you know, life is an, an experience, you know. You're not always going to get along with everybody, like we said. I mean, there are people that, that I get along with and people I don't get along with, you know. And, you know, and I, I find that the best thing for me to do sometimes is to say, I'm sorry, I hope we can repair what, what the damage or whatever, you know, in my case. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that's very commendable. Sometimes I mean, just saying I'm sorry makes you feel so good. Yeah, no, I've apologized to people, yeah. uh, um, and, and that and that does not necessarily mean that I I want to rekindle the relationship, but I've I've apologized for for past. Right. Uh, but I'm in, I'm impressed that the, all those names you just mentioned. I'm impressed that you were, that you can come out with them just like that. That's an amazing memory. Well, there are people who's, who's, uh, who, who, impress, who impress on one's memory. And as a consequence, uh, because those feelings are so warm, uh, they're available, you know. The, and, and, I mean, what, with the Star Trek characters, every actor has their own personality. And they bring a different personality to each character. That's what makes Star Trek so wonderful. Every character has a different, you know, something's going on with that character. And that's what's fascinating to watch. 
the interactions between the characters. Well, particularly, yeah. Well, particularly uh, among the, the the three leads, I, I you know, uh, I have I have maintained, and I I do I, again, I do I say this, knowing that there are people who say no, 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 Walter, that's not true. But my sense is that the supporting actors um, were were really there for expositional purposes. We were there to to move the story forward, but not to be examined as human beings. Right. Not not to you know to to know what what their internal machinations were. Uh, but so but at the same time, the fans care about you. I mean, they send you letters when you had your heart attack. You get all those letters. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was great. I loved that. I loved the people. But, but of course, that, that goes with the territory. And that's and that's I think is my point. That and what I was trying to say just now um, is that the, the, the three people who were responsible, the three characters who were responsible for Star Trek's great success, in my opinion, were uh, Bill Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and DeForest Kelly, because the stories were about them. Right. We were we were there to help. Detailed the events that that transpired, and we sort of we sort of uh, grabbed their coattails and went along with them. And, and star, our success is because of Star Trek's success. Um, and so uh, I think we have. Well, let me just talk about myself. I think I have less. Um, I have less uh, responsibility for Star Trek's success than. Um, those who had an, a greater opportunity. That isn't to say that I don't think I contributed something, but uh, I, 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 I feel I know the limits of my contribution, and the rest is 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 is, um, is, is a consequence of the fact that I was just part of that group, uh, uh, and I uh, and the. The, the Hollywood Walk of Fame would never have happened uh, for me as an actor if it had not been Star Trek. And so many other things uh, would not have happened if it wasn't for Star Trek. So uh, I am cognizant that I am, I am not a, a, uh, was not a leading character, nor did I have a, a leading role in contributing to Star Trek's success. At least that's my, my sense. And I know there are people who will always tell me, you know, it was everybody, and I bless them for that. But you, you, you're, you're really getting at who I am and how I think, and so I'm, I'm exposing all of that to you, David, so that you know where I'm coming from. Well, it's just, a, it's just very honest and very raw, and I like that. I, I, and, I mean, it's, it's just how you feel, and you're very, you're very honest in, about your feelings, and, and, and you know, some people might disagree, some people would agree. Who, who, you know, I, I just think of all the characters as, as one big happy family. I mean, I, I like seeing all the different characters and if one weren't there I'd miss them you know I because they that's the way the shows were made I mean you had the characters and, and you look forward to seeing them every week and you know if, if they had blow-ups with other characters it made it more fun to watch of course but but it's very honest that you say all that did you ever do live TV live TV and oh, you mean like like uh, like one of the playhouses or anything. Did you ever do, do anything live on TV? You mean dramatically? Yes. You don't, you don't mean interviews. Well, I, we, we well we did a production of Anthony and Cleopatra, um, in which Lynn Redgrave and Timothy Dalton. Uh, oh wow! 
Lady with the Leads, I played Pompey. Um, and uh, it, it was shot, it was on tape, but it was, it was taped proscenium. It was taped uh, as if it were uh, a live production. So we didn't, so we didn't stop. Uh, we continued, um, you know, scene for scene. We made the transitions tra that you would make uh, if you were watching it live in a theater. Right. Um, so to that degree, I did live TV. Um, and that was and that was an, a, a, a very exciting experience. I, I was at the at the beginning of my career. I also did, uh, before I started doing prime time uh, television, I did shows that were taped uh, in the, during the day. Uh, there was a, during the 60s, there were a lot of court shows, divorce right. court and, and not juvenile court, but youth court or something, and, and day in court. And th those shows, th that was at a time um, when, when the, the medium was less flexible, when you, you couldn't edit we shot on tape, and you you couldn't edit the tape, so you couldn't stop. If if you stopped, you had to start all over again from the right. beginning. Right. So so I did a bunch of shows like that where you you it was as if it was live because you couldn't they didn't come in for close ups and then and and we couldn't reshoot a, a scene or um, we just got to uh, just power forward and and get through it. As a matter of fact, I do mention early on, I did do an episode of a, of a live, of a show that was shot that way, and as a consequence, could almost be considered live, and I went up, I'd lost my lines, and they had told me, you don't stop under any circumstances, because we'd have to start all over again, and that would be overtime for all the, the crew, et cetera, et cetera. So they said, on pain of death, you cannot stop. And I stopped. <laughs> I said, I can't go on. I don't know it. I'm, and I put my hand across my throat and a cut, and a cut uh, sign. And um, I thought that was the end. Literally, I thought that was the end of my career. I was um, in my early 20s, and that was one of the first shows they had done. And I went away. And, oh, and then we, so we started. We did it again. Second time, God knows how. I got through it all without, uh, without any mistakes. But I remember going to a bar that night, and I never frequent never frequent bars. Determined to get drunk uh, because my career was over. I was I was right. absolutely convinced that the word would get out, and my career was over. Well, that was like 1961. So I'm, I'm still around. That's wonderful. I mean, and it's hard. I mean, when you're doing live TV, you're doing you're doing Broadway or whatever you're doing. You're there. I mean, it's all on you. And if you mess up, you know, you could ruin the whole show. And that's a lot of pressure on on an actor. Yeah. Well, I got you know when I I did a lot of live theater, or, or at least a, a you know representative amount of live theater, and I I didn't uh, and I got through it and I I did well enough I think I did a bunch of leads and and, and stage production, I did Scrooge for five years and Christmas Carol. Oh really? Uh, nice. Uh, yeah, that was that was great fun. Um, so you've done you've done a lot of different things. I mean, you've had a very varied career, and isn't that what every actor wishes for? Well, yeah, but, you know, there was still a lot of downtime. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there's still a lot of days when uh, when I didn't go to work. I didn't punch a clock. 
and I, I, sometimes I feel that was that was good, and sometimes I feel like those were days and weeks and months wasted. Um, well, if you don't if you don't get to the down times, how do you ever enjoy the the, the, the good times? Oh, good for you. <laughs> A great, that's a great uh, argument. You have to see, but you have to see, you have to see it. You have to. I think it makes you appreciate when you have those good times because yeah. you you know what it's like not to have it. Yeah, and it, and, and now that you have told me this, I can get through the downtime so much better. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're such a nice, nice, just a nice man to talk to. It's really a thrill. This has just been a a wonderful experience. By the way, I wanted to ask you how how was it working with Raymond Burr on Ironside? Oh, it was fine. Um, we didn't have too much to, to do together. Um, uh, uh, I, I actually had more to do with, um, uh, what's his name, the folk singer who became the president of Equity. Um, I think he was Austrian. Um, what was his name? Uh, well, that's that's part of the problem of being around this long. Yeah. I can't we don't expect you to remember every name, though. No. Was, was he in the cast of Ironside, or was he in that show? No, he was. He was a guest actor, and he played my my uncle. I was. He, he ran a tobacco shop, and I was a, a well, bad. What? Now you got me curious. I'm going to have to look it up now. Yeah, you'll you'll know his name when you see it. He he sang a lot of folk songs in different languages, and I'm sure there'll be some of your some of your older. Um, audience but Raymond I've heard wonderful things about Raymond Burr and the reason I bring up Raymond Burr is because I'm I'm watching all the episodes of Perry Mason right now I'm just about through the ninth season and I, I so enjoy him there's something about Raymond Burr that was just so wonderful great great I, as I say my my uh, experience with him was fine uh, but, but it was was it was very casual because we didn't actually have any dialogue together can you think of any role that you didn't get that you really, 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 really wanted? Yeah, I can. And this is going to shock some people. Um, well, there was two. Um, one was... Um, uh, the name of the show, the name of the, the two, two-parter was Helter Skelter, and it was about Charlie Manson. Oh, yes, uh, yes. Uh, they couldn't find anybody to play Charles Manson on the West Coast. And I came in on the recommendation of two casting directors. And the director knew me, but he knew me as a writer. Because I had written a story oh. about Native, Ameri Native American. Uh, and so he, he was, initially, he was not, um, he was not uh, uh, receptive to the idea of my even auditioning. But because these two different casting directors had been persistent, he had me come back and read for it. And he, and he was, if I may use the expression, um, he was blown away by my performance. He thought I was terrific. That was wonderful. And, um, and said, you know, sit tight, sit tight. Um, I just got to check with a few sources, and then uh, we'll go forward with this. Well, as you know, I did not play Charlie Manson. Right. And, uh, and, somebody, and, and, and many people in the audience would say, well, why would you want to do such a dreadful, revolting, abhorrible, yeah. abhorrent, abhorrent. Uh, but you don't feel that way. You wanted that role. But I thought of it as a, as a, as a, as an acting role, as a challenge, as an actor. How do you get into, into the, into somebody like that? How do you get in? I'm trying to remember who played Charles Manson in that. He was brilliant. 
um, his name comes and goes in my head. He was absolutely brilliant. That made it palatable. Uh, that made it because uh, if Gacko had not been good, I, I, I would have been furious. In fact, I didn't work. I didn't watch the first. It was two, two night event, and I didn't watch the first night, but I did watch the second night. And uh, the actor was perfect. He went on. He did. He did a, several other films. He did one with Peter O'Toole, where he was just called a stuntman, I think, or something like that. Oh right, yeah, I do remember that movie. Yeah. So uh, he was. But the, the other role, though, the other role that uh, I had, I had just finished doing on the stage, was in a play called Steam Bath, and by Jules. No, not Jules Swiffer. I can't think of who it was. But um, and it was part of God. Uh, as a Puerto Rican towel attendant in a steam bath. And I had done it quite well, and I'd gotten good reviews. And I didn't get that part. It was, it was given to an actor who had understudied the fellow who did it on, the, on Broadway. This was uh, going to be a television production. And uh, I watched his performance, and I was not, I was not impressed. And that upset me because I thought, I thought I could have done a better job than the gentleman who did it on television. Not talking about the man who did it on Broadway, but the man who uh, did it on television. So those are two roles that I would have uh, loved to have played and, and didn't get to. Right, exactly. Well, that's, in, that's fascinating. I, who would have ever known? Yeah, <laughs> you would pick those roles, and I mean, it, it, when I ask, like once again, when I ask the question, you don't necessarily know the answer, and that's what makes it fun. That when the answer comes, it's like, wow. Yeah. Of all yeah. the roles, you know, that's that's great. I mean, I it's a shame you didn't get the part. I'm trying to look up here who did play the part, and I can't. I it's been so many years, and I can't remember. Um, let's look on the Helter Skelter. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm going under, and I can't find it. There's so many things with Charles Manson. It's just to get through all the. Well, the this, thing. Movie, this was a television movie. Yeah. Two parts. So if you're looking under movies, you're not going to find it. Yeah. If you look on the stuntman, or. Hmm. They, yeah. Uh, I, my audience is going to wonder who it is now. <laughs> <laughs> They're all going to go rush to their phones and look it up, and I'm sure they can find it, but. Yeah. Boy, uh, you know, your career, and, and it's nice to see that you're still around, that you're still happy, and you're still going through, getting through life as we all are, and, and just, and this book's incredibly interesting, so I hope everybody gets to enjoy it. I should mention that it is from Jacobs Brown, I want to say Jacob, but it's not, it's Jacobs with an S. <laughs> it's Jacobs Brown Media Group. I think, is that right. the name of the publishing company, too? Yeah, right. Yeah, and you can get it, and, and 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 it's still available from Jacobs Brown, even though it hasn't, it won't be available uh, on Amazon until uh, uh, the first of May, I believe. And you can still get it through Jacobs Brown. Uh, what uh, that? It was, you know, what maybe it was Steve Railsback. Yes, it was Steve Railsback. That's exactly who it was. It's, it, I don't know where that name came from. He's one of those actors that you just suddenly remember their name. <laughs> Steve Railsback, he was he was a terrific actor. I didn't, I don't remember Helder Skelter all that well. It was so many years ago, but I, I'm sure he was great in the role because it, sometimes they, he was. He was. You know, you, you go in as a, you know, with a sense of competition and 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 wanting to be, not wanting to be better. Actually, I, I was angry that I that I was better than the guy who played in Steam Bath. Uh, but I was I was very excited to watch Railsback playing Manson because 
you know, it, it wasn't as if I got robbed. A better actor, or at least an actor as good as I am, a better actor, uh, played the role, and uh, and that made me feel really, really good. All right. Now, the episode of, of Ironside that you were in was called Summer Soldier? Yes. Is that the one? Yeah. What? I'm trying to, because everybody's going to wonder who... Who was oh Theodore Bacall was in was he in there with you? That's that's who I'm talking about. Theodore Bacall was the one. Oh, I I interviewed Theodore Bacall before he died. He was an interesting man. Oh boy, that man has had stories to tell. Yeah. Very yeah. very very interesting interesting man. Indeed. So and I don't recognize any of the other uh, just the regular lines. I don't recognize anybody else in the show except for you. How, and I didn't even know you were in an episode of Iron. Is that the only one you did? Just that one? Just that one, yeah. And, and, and the and the uh, the only the eventful uh, circumstance that was a little un, un out of, a little out of the ordinary was uh, the episode uh, called for my riding a, a motorcycle. And my bro my brother had a motorcycle, and I practiced on his, and oh, I had cool. no, and I had no problems. Uh, so when I got on the motorcycle to, to, to drive away from the tobacco shop just to sell the uh, the uh, marijuana that I had been gathering, um, I couldn't hit the the uh, the pedal hard enough to start the bloody bike. Mm. And I, I, I I just I, I I kept bouncing up and down, banging on the pedal, and I couldn't get it I couldn't get it down to, to ignite the engine. So we ended up. So we ended up shooting the scene on a hill, where I just get on the bike and I roll it forward, and then I roll down the hill with the engine off, <laughs> and steering steering the bike. Um, and so we, that's how we got the shot. And I didn't. I also didn't mention the Lee Marvin incident. I want people to read that in the book. I don't want to spoil any of these stories because they're too they're too interesting to read. I don't want to. You know, I want people to read them for themselves. But the the whole Lee Marvin thing was, was yeah, that 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 was a that was a game changer. It was a game changer from on um, from many from from many different perspectives, and one worth reading. Because uh, I I I think I I told. I just feel so bad for you because you didn't mean anything by it, and it just you know, when things are taken out of context, you know, sometimes yeah. you can't repair the damage. Yep. Even yep. though you didn't mean to damage anything, it's it's just like things happen, you know. Yeah, that's that's quite true, quite true. Uh, and there are you know circumstances in all our lives, I think, with with that happens. Uh, I I uh, I have uh, <laughs> there's something that I call the look, which is a, a very squinty-eyed stare. That that was directed toward me on three different occasions by three different people, which was just as full of vitriol and animosity and hate <laughs> as as one can possibly imagine. Um, that are that are acknowledged, or at least a couple of them are acknowledged in the book, and uh, and they were unjustified. They I, I was I was misunderstood, but I. Uh, but that's you know that's what that's what life is about. Those those occasions as well as all the good ones. Well, I can't thank you enough. I, I don't want to keep you too long. We, we've been talking for over an hour, and it's, it's been an absolute joy. It really has been, and I this is something I'll treasure for a long time. Being able well, to 
and I I had no idea, like I said, what you were going to be like, and you didn't. You far exceeded my expectations of of how kind and nice a person could be, and I really appreciate that. Bless your heart, David. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed our time together. I did too. And the book again is called Beaming Up and Getting Off. And I love the I love the uh <laughs> that title makes me laugh for some reason, which I won't go into right now. But <laughs> Life Life Before and Beyond Star Trek, uh, by Walter Koenig and it's out from Jacobs Brown and, and you should pick it up and uh, is it in audio by the way? No, not yet. We're we're talking about it. Um I'm not sure I'm up to it because uh, I would want to be would be the one to to do it, but we'll see. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Well, once again, thank you very much. And this has been David's Book Talk, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you, sir. You have just enjoyed the podcast of David's Book Talk, brought to you by your host, book lover, David English. Please visit us at davidbooktalk.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to our podcast. We want to hear from you. And we don't want you to miss our upcoming shows with top authors like Mary Higgins Clark, Patricia Cornwell, Lisa Scottolini, Jackie Collins, Nelson DeMille, Michael Connolly, Sue Grafton, Steve Martini, Dale Brown, David Baldacci.